Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory starts a brand new series entitled Grace-Filled Generosity. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. Our goal today is to really bring clarity to the body of Christ. Of course, what's happened here recently is that a prominent ministry has declared that Christians no longer have to tithe. And I know when I first heard that, I was like, man, wow, because of the the platform, I was like, I really need to go investigate that, and I really need to look at that for further understanding. And so I'm not saying we're right, they're wrong. I, I don't do any of that. How many know we're all one family at the end of the day? We put down no one to lift ourselves up, none of that kind of stuff. Only thing we want to do is look at the Bible for ourselves, right? And we want to draw our own conclusions from the Word of God. So the title of the message is called Grace-Filled Generosity. But we will not get to that portion of the message today because I just want to establish that truth before we get to it. And so let's uh, look at our introduction. All of the notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. You can also find them as well on the Linked Up uh, app as well. And uh, follow along. I'm going to give you more than what's in the notes. And so take notes for yourself because you need understanding and you need clarity, particularly on this subject. And so now, according to church track tithing statistics, 5% of churchgoers tithe, 5%. Out of the 247 million U.S. citizens identifying as Christians, 1.5 million people tithe. So that's really less than 1%. So looking at those two, you can say on average, one to 5% of the Christian population that declared that they're Christians actually tithe. 77% of tithers give more than 10%. So that means those who do tithe, they actually give more than that. Now, let's look at where we are as a church in comparison to the national averages. So at Linked Up Church, we have on record 3,555 adult members, not including young adults. And those are young adults who have not acquired membership on their own. So these are children who grew up in the church, teenagers, right? Now they're young adults. And they think because they've been in the church with their parents that they're members. But I mean, once you become an adult, you need to take your membership on your own and be a separate member. So they're not included uh, in this number, nor are teens and children. So you can probably say the universe of linked up church is somewhere around 5,000 to 5,500 individuals, okay? And so, out of the 3,555 unique adult members, and this is in comparison to the national average, 48% of them tithe. Come on, linked up church. Come on, you ought to give yourselves a big hand out there, right? That's really why this church can do what it does, right? It's really a real mark of maturity. I was always trained that there are two areas where you can check the maturity of your church. Your church is prayer life and your church is giving life, right? So look at Saturday morning prayer. You'll see how mature your church is. Look at pre-service prayer. You'll see how mature your church is. And then look at giving and you'll see how mature your church is. So 48% is a blessing, 
You deserve, lick, online, put the clappy hands in there. Give yourselves a big round of applause, right? We use emojis for everything, right? Put the clappy hands in there, right? But that's a real blessing. 48% of our adult members tithe. And so, when you look at that in context, I came from a very large ministry in Michigan, and, and that church reached about 10% of its members. And that, back then, over 25 years ago, about 25 years ago, was considered extremely successful, right? 10%. And I would, you'd always hear, if you're part of that, 10% of the people do 90% of the work, which meant 10% gave, did all the giving and 10% did all of the serving, right? And that's what we understood. I was privileged to be a part of those uh, reports and see all of that. So 48%. For us, man, I just want to say thank you for your maturity and your obedience here at Linked Up Church, okay? Now, let's look at some definitions. Tithe, by definition, by definition, uh, put simply, is the first tenth. That means the verb tithing is the process of giving one-tenth or 10% of all income to God before a single penny is spent. So we all understand that God gives you a dollar, you give God 10, 10 cents back. God gives you $10, God gives you one, or God gives you $10, you give God $1 back. And the goal there is the first of that, right? The first and the best. So you take that dollar off the top before you do anything else and you honor God with that, right? It's the process of tithing. Now, I want you to listen to this. Offering in the Bible, the offering is the act of gratitude to God. So this is really more of a condition of the heart. It is a gift or present that demonstrates appreciation for all that he's done for you, right? And so you'll see as the information progresses, you'll see God is more interested in how you're responding to what he's doing for you than what you believe you owe him. Okay, everybody, and I'm going to get to that. I won't get to that clearly today, but, but I'm just wetting your appetite a little bit. Now, let's look in the natural, right? Warren Buffett has given $48 billion to charity. His total net worth is $102 billion, according to an article found in entitled uh, Billionaires in uh, Forbes magazine. And so Warren Buffett has given away about half of his income to charitable donations. Uh, another one here, according to an article in USA Today, Bill Gates has given over $50 billion to charitable causes over his career. His total net worth is $113 billion, all of which he plans to give away to charity when he passes. So Bill Gates has given away just short of 50% of his entire income. And it's interesting that when he passes away, he's given away all of his net worth to charities, not his children. That article went on to say, because I mean, you know, if you give your children things that they don't, didn't earn, it might not be treated right, but it's interesting that that's what he said. Now, of course, he's taking care of his children, right? But he's leaving the vast majority of his net worth to charities. Oprah Winfrey has donated $72 million to charitable organizations, and her total net worth is $3 billion. But what's the point of bringing that out to you? It's to really show you that the law of giving and receiving, the law of sowing and reaping, works for whoever will use it. See, it rains on the just and the unjust. And you might remember in Matthew when Jesus was talking about and teaching on stewardship, he told the Jewish people, the religious people, that the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light when it comes to financial matters. 
right? And so, so sometimes the world can have a better understanding in Revelation and actually operate in it than the church does. Okay, so I'm just establishing something here. Let's look at our foundation text. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, and again, we won't get to it today, but I just want to read it because it is the direction, overall direction of the message. It says, you do well and you excel in every respect. An unstoppable faith, man, you can believe God for anything. And pound for preaching, nobody can preach like you. And revelation knowledge, God has revealed so much to you. And your passionate devotion, you don't miss your devotions with God. You get up every morning, spend your time in devotion and prayer. And in sharing the love we have shown you, your love walk is on point. But then notice what he says. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. So what Paul is pointing out here to the church at Corinth, they did great in all these other areas, but they didn't do great in their generosity, okay? And so that's really the direction overall. We won't get there today. Today what we want to look at is this information is out here, and it really lets, sets a platform uh, for us to, to build on with the remainder of the information. How many of y'all ever heard that out there that the church no longer has to tithe? Raise your hand if you've heard that. I mean, it's spreading like wildfire. We've been like released from this, right? And so my job is to make sure that as a pastor, we look at the whole counsel of God. And so my, my dean in my Bible school was a earned PhD, very disciplined student of the Bible. And he said the way to form doctrine is you had to look at the whole counsel of God. So you had to see who God was before the law, during the law, and after the law because God declared this about himself. He said, I am the Lord thy God and I do not change right I'm the same yesterday today and forevermore so what you're going to see is consistency with God God doesn't change right and so only thing God does from one testament to a new testament is make it better but he doesn't change who he was he just made who he was in that old testament better for us in the new testament I'm going to show that to you today from the word of God okay are you all ready to follow along all right, so now let's look at tithing before the law, during the law. Let's look at it in the book of Acts, and let's look at it in the New Testament, okay? Go with me to Genesis chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 18 through 20. But before we read verses 18 through 20, let's at least try to understand how we got there. So this was a time of war of the kings, and there were roughly about five kings who were in battle. And during this war, we know that Lot's or, or Abram's brother and Lot, his nephew, they were in Sodom, and Sodom's king was a part of this war. And so during this war, Abram's brother and his nephew Lot got captured. And so one of the people got freed. They got away. They went and told Abram that uh, his brother and his nephew had been captured. So Abram rallies up all of his troops, his best, his most choice soldiers, and they go out there and they kick butt. I think they defeated three kings at one time with their army. How many know you can't do that unless God is with you? Right? And so they uh, recovered his brother and he recovered his nephew Lot and they brought back all of the spoils. And let's pick up the story of verse 18. And this is before the law was ever given. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, for he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and he said, So Melchizedek blessed Abraham and he said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And, he, and blessed be God most high, 
who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So Melchizedek was acknowledging that it was God who had delivered Abraham. And I don't know if you realize it or not. The job that you have, God gave it to you. If God has ever delivered you, God did that for you. Hello, somebody. Whatever is good in your life, God is the one that did it for you. Can somebody just give God glory for that today, right? Everything good that you have came from God. And Melchizedek is acknowledging that. And then notice what Abram immediately does, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says, and he gave him a tithe of all. So all of the bounty and all of the inheritance that he brought back from the slaughter, the scripture says that Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. So let's look at some of Abram's descendants. Let's look at his genealogy. Let's look at his family. Let's pick it up with Isaac. Let's look in Genesis chapter 26. This again is before the law was even given. And so, of course, we won't start at verse 12. We're going to read verses 12 and 13, but let's understand how we got there. So prior to that in verses 1 through 10 or so, uh, Isaac is in the land of Gerar, and there's a famine in that land, but all the provision is down in Egypt. And how, you know, you all know how we are, right? If it's lacking where we are, we are racing to go to where the provision is, right? But God told uh, Isaac not to go down to Egypt. God told him to stay in the land of Gerar and to sow and plant seed there, and I'll bless you there. And how many know obedience is better than sacrifice, right? And so sometimes obedience is a real key to God really doing supernaturally what he wants to do in your life. You know, it's no different than here. When we came here, this area was dilapidated. But God said, go buy that building over there in Powder Springs. I mean, you know, we didn't know a $56 million development was coming up uh, on the side of it. And you all don't know what's happening out in front of it. So there's a bigger development than that coming out in front of it. Now, if we didn't obey God, we would have missed out on all of this opportunity. And that's what's put us in position for what's getting ready to happen. Somebody better understand what I just said, right? So obedience was key to that. If we don't act on that when it looks dilapidated, nothing, people were asking us, why are you going to Powder Springs? God loves the people in Powder Springs just like he loves everybody else in the world. And he needs a light in that area, right? And so let's pick the story up in verse 12. So then Isaac obeyed and he sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Somebody ought to get in that line to reap in the same year a hundredfold. I said somebody needs to get in that line and say, God, I'm going to believe you for a hundred return, hundredfold return in the same year on the seeds that I've sown. Right? And so he says here, hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Watch this. And the man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And that's God's will for every single person watching online, every single person in this room, that when you obey God, his will for your life is that you not only become prosperous, but that you become very prosperous because God is thinking about more than just you. He's thinking about your neighbor. He's thinking about your family members who are lacking. He's thinking about your coworkers. He's thinking about your neighbors. He's thinking about everybody that's lacking around you. He's thinking about if I can just get it to you, and then get it through you, I can touch a whole lot of lives. 
That's always what's on God's mind, especially when we cooperate with him. Now, let's look at uh, Jacob. Let's go to Genesis chapter 28, right? And, and it's still in that lineage, still in that genealogy. And so, Jacob, we're going to read verse 22, but roughly around verse 10, uh, Jacob uh, goes to sleep and he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder going from earth all the way up to heaven. And on that ladder, he sees angels ascending and descending up and down the ladder, right? And then a voice comes out of heaven and says to him, uh, Isaac, I am the God of your, or Jacob, I am the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. And as I was with your father, I will be with you. And I'll bless you and, and make you, uh, and you, you, you uh, many nations will come out of you and everything that you put your hands to do, I'll prosper you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he comes out of this dream in the dream, what the children of Israel, what people would do back in that time in the Middle East, what they would do is take uh, rocks and they would uh, heat those rocks up and they would set the rocks up near their head to keep their bodies warm at night while they're sleeping, right? Because all of the heat goes in and out through your head. And so he wakes up from that dream and he takes the rock and this is where we pick the story up in verse here, verse 22. And notice what he says. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And then he makes this vow to God. And he said, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And this is before the law was ever given, right? So we see Abraham and we see his genealogy, right? We see his lineage. This is something that I entered into at the age of 22, I actually uh, made a vow to God that for everything that he would bless me with, I will give him a tenth of all of it. And that wasn't earned income. That was anything that he increased me with, I would take 10% of it and honor him with that. And I've never missed that for the last 34 years of my life. Let me tell you the other side of that. I've also never had a need go unmet. We've been extremely blessed, right? But, but here's the other side of that. I didn't actually grow in generosity, though, until about 10 years ago when my pastor, Frederick K.C. Price, challenged my doctrine. I mean, when you get around an elder, they'll check you in a minute. And, of course, I was all happy that I had been a faithful tither. And this is what he said to me. And that's all you do? You have never grown beyond that. you got to understand him to know what I'm talking about. So he was actually ashamed that I was pastoring a church and hadn't grown beyond tithing. And my wife is sitting right there. I went and did my own study, and I've been increasing my giving and generosity ever since then. Now, we've always been generous people. But now we're intentional about it. Just like we are the tie, we're as intentional about being generous, especially with other people. Okay? Now, let's keep reading here. So now, that's all before the law. Let's look at it during the law. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And we know that the law was given through Moses. And there was a Levitical priesthood. And this was the commandment to the Levitical priesthood. In Leviticus 27, 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, fruit of the tree is the Lord's. And watch this. It is holy to the Lord. So notice God considers the tithe holy. The word holy means set apart or separate. 
so it should be used for his purposes. Everybody clear on that? All right, let's keep traveling. Now let's look at Malachi, and we're going to read in chapter 3. We'll start reading at verse 6. Verse 6 is not in your notes, but I'm going to read down to verse 12. I want to read verse 6 because it reiterates something I said earlier. In verse 6, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, you sons of Jacob. Now, these were all wicked priests that he's speaking to. So if you really understand what he's saying, if I did change, I would have burned up all of you all by now. (laughs) But because I don't change and my mercy is new every morning, I won't. Anybody glad he has not changed? Because I would probably be a crispy critter right about now. Anybody else in here? Anybody glad he has not changed? (laughs) I know I'm glad. Anybody thankful for his mercy, right? Woo, I'm thankful for his mercy, right? Pick it up at verse 7. So now let's understand. Now we're in the old covenant. It says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Ordinances is translated as commandments or decrees. And you have not kept them. Notice what he says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Verse 8, will a man rob God? The word rob there means to defraud. So will a man defraud God? Uh, Yet you have defrauded or robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God is very clear here. He said in tithes and offerings. Notice he didn't just say in tithes. What did he say? And offerings, right? We understand that offering here in the Hebrew is defined as a gift or a present. It's a sacrifice as a tribute, right? And so how many of y'all have ever received a gift from someone unexpectedly and their reason for giving you the gift was to show you how much they appreciate you? How did that make you feel? It makes you feel good, right? Now, what if somebody owed you money? And they just gave you back what they owed you. I would, you know, the way people don't pay back today, I probably still would be like, man, praise God. Woo, glory, because I didn't expect to get this back, right? But what about when they pay you back and they give you something on top of that? Right? We were with our Ride Connected group on yesterday riding our motorcycles. We rode down to Oxford, Alabama. And uh, the lady, uh, I guess we just got, we misunderstood each other on my order. And so uh, I had ordered some whiting, and uh, I wanted to go old school, some whiting fish. And and where I come from, you put that on some bread. Come on, somebody. Oh, then you asked for that Frank's Louisiana hot sauce. Come on, do I have any Frank's Louisiana hot sauce? Boy, you douse the fish in that, in that house sauce. And you bend that bread up. Come on, somebody. Oh, and you eat it like a sandwich, boy. So it's just a, a good fish sandwich, right? And so somehow that, that got confused, right? And so she brought hush puppies. Now, hush puppies and whiting, okay, all right. Maybe as a side, but, you know, I want to make a sandwich out of it. So I asked her if she would bring me two uh, pieces, just bring me two pieces of bread. So, so she went to the table. Hey, y'all heard him say to me what he wanted. Right? She attitude, right? So how many of you know the best way to change an attitude is to be generous? 
So when she walked back by, I gave her a 20. I said, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you real good. Just do what I'm asking right here. Right? She said, oh, I can buy a whole loaf of bread with this. Right? Not only did she bring those two slices, when she saw I was finished with those, she brought back another two slices. Right? And then I still gave her a great tip at the end. Now, how many of y'all know that was much greater for her than just me paying for the bill? Which one do you think she got the most out of? The generosity, right? Okay, everybody clear. So now let's keep going. So he said in tithes and offerings, and we're going to get to the offering part. That's the majority of the message as we continue. Today we just want to establish, did, it, did God do away with tithes today? So he says in tithes and offerings, he says, you are cursed with a curse in verse 9. So let me be clear. God does not curse anyone. Never. Right? If you read chapter, chapter Deuteronomy chapter 28, there are curses and blessings that are in the earth. The curses are activated by disobedience. The blessings are activated by obedience. But God doesn't put curses on us. Right? We activate those by disobedience just like we activate blessings through our obedience. So he says, you are cursed with a curse. And so all he's simply saying here is when you defraud God, you end up defrauding yourself. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. See, the people can't be blessed. All the people can't be blessed when the church doesn't do his, its part. Right? And you've robbed this whole nation. He says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, temporal treasure house, that there may be food or meat or provision in my house. And then God says, it's the only place in the Bible where God says this. And God says, and try me now in this. And the word try means to prove me. Now, if you come from where I come from and somebody says to you, try me. Try me if you want to. Anybody come from where I come from? That's when the whole conversation has changed now, right? It went from a casual, cordial conversation to try me. And you step towards somebody, right? Try me. All God is saying, try me. Prove me. And this is what he said. And see, watch what he says here. It's going to bless you real good here. He says, prove me in this. Try me in this. And look at what he says here. He says, and see if I don't do what? Open up the windows. Open up. Open for you. Open for you. Open for you. That means God's going to do something for you. Open for you the windows. See, there's some windows that have been closed to you that your obedience can open up. And for some of you all, it's not one window, it's multiple windows that God has been trying to open up for you. He's just waiting on your obedience. And he says, so I open for you, not just one window, but windows, plural, of heaven. This is why he could say earlier or later on, right? He, this is why he can say, uh, basically, when you deposit, right, it's sowing and putting it into heaven, right? And how many know you can make a withdrawal when you deposit something into heaven? How many know God will put you in a position where you can make a withdrawal on that? So what he's telling you is when you put something in, I can open something up and pour you out more opportunities 
than you could have ever created on your own. Everybody clear on that? All right, let's keep going here. It says, bring that all in, right? And I'll not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, right? Such a blessing or prosperity here that there won't be room enough to receive it. Blessing here is singular, and it does in the Hebrew mean prosperity. But how many know it also means an empowerment? So, so in a lot of ways, what God is saying here, I'm not just going to drop stuff out of heaven for you. I'm going to put something on you that enables you to excel far beyond what you could do on your own. And we understand this in both realms, right? How many of y'all know if a person lived in Detroit and everything went wrong in Detroit, right? So they want to move to a new city with a fresh start. So then they move to Atlanta, get to Atlanta, and all the stuff that happened in Detroit is now happening in Atlanta. So then they say, well, Atlanta, it ain't happening in Atlanta. It's dried up. I'm getting ready to move to Houston. Then they moved to Houston and got the same problems with the opposite sex, same problems in life, same problems. How many of you know there's something on that person? Because they are the constant in every city that they lived in. But how many of you know the opposite of that can be true too? person can grow up in Detroit and everything is working. Come on, move to Atlanta, and everything is working in Atlanta. Then be led to move to Houston. Everything's working in Houston. How many of that's because something's on that person? There's an enablement and a blessing on that person that is causing them to prosper. And God said that's all connected to the time. Now, I don't know about you all. That's too good to pass up. Right? And let me just say this, right? I know somebody's going to get upset, but all of you all are tithers. Everyone in this room is a tither. For some of you all, as soon as you get paid, it's straight to the hairdresser, (laughs) straight to the nail shop, straight to get my toes done. That's tithing. You took 10% of your income and gave it to something that won't give you these kind of benefits. Some people tithe to GMAC. Some people tithe to Ford Motor Credit. Sure is quiet in this Roman Catholic church today. Some people tithe to stock X. Some people tithe to gym shoes. Some people tithe to clothes. But everybody in here is a tither. I feel like Satan is upset. Can we just give God a, come on, can we give God a real good praise in this place today? Come on, somebody celebrate God. Everybody tithes. Let's not like, let's not act like we don't. Not not for anybody in this room, but some tied to the weed man. They ain't missing that. Now don't look down. See if you do that, if you, if I look your way and you go like that, don't do that. Don't do that. He said, there won't be room enough to receive it. So he's saying, I'm going to put something on you, right? Because what's God's heart? Why won't it be room enough for you to receive it? Because God always wants to give you more than what you need. Because he's thinking about somebody else. He always, and you're going to see this later on in today's message. God always wants to give you more than what you need so that he can use you to be a blessing to somebody that's less fortunate than you. And then draw them to him because of your generosity. 
Okay, let's keep reading here, right? He says, and I will rebuke, that word rebuke there means to reprove, notice, the devourer, one individual, and that's Satan. Satan's occupation is to kill, steal, and destroy, right? But notice one greater than him said, I'll take care of him for you. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So that means whatever he tries to stop from working in your life, God reproves him and rebukes him and gets him off of it, right? It's no different, folks, than the pandemic. Three years of that, right? But Linked Up Church never closed. We kept working in this office. Come on, somebody. We gave God glory, and what God did was lifted us right up over the pandemic, caused us to sail right beyond it. Come on, somebody. Nobody died in this place. Hello, somebody. None of our employees, none of that happened. No babies, none of that. And Linked Up Church lost nothing for the entire three years. You know why? Because God came in there and rebuked the devourer for our sake. Somebody ought to thank God that he's been rebuking him for your sake. Come on, that's the reason you still have a job today. Come on, whatever you have that's good is because God has been keeping that monkey off of your back. Come on, somebody, and blessing you and and moving you forward when you deserved it and even when you didn't deserve it. God was still blessing you. Somebody ought to give him glory for that. Come on, I said somebody ought to give him glory for that. So simply what he's saying here, anything that will destroy, even when it manifests as a locust or a caterpillar, Satan is the one that's still behind it. See, in an agricultural society, how many know caterpillars and locusts destroy the agriculture? So if you look that up, you'll see that's what the destroyer is defined as. But how many of y'all know who's behind that? And God said, I'll take care of and destroy whatever's trying to destroy you. Man, that's a promise too good to pass up, right? Nor shall your vine fall, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. All people will call you blessed. Now, that word blessed there means in the Hebrew to be straight. Now, again, if you come from where I come from and somebody asked you how you doing, and you said, I'm straight, that means I'm good. Right? It also means to be level. See, we think we make up all of these words. But, but God said, not only am I going to keep you straight, I'm going to level you up. Amen. To go forward, that means you're going to always progress in life. How I many know you should be able to look at your life five years from now if you've been obedient and you should see progress? And you should say to yourself, something is wrong, something is off, because it's not God. What have I not been doing? Because I should be progressing. It means to be honest, to prosper, to guide, to lead, and to relieve. Let's look at some more New Testament examples. I'll look at one. Matthew chapter 23, 23. Jesus here speaking, red letter edition. Notice what he says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So, so note, he's celebrating the fact that you pay tithe of mint, anise, uh, and cumin, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. 
So notice he places equal value on tithing and obedience. All right. Also, Luke eleven forty two. That's in your notes. I don't have time to turn there today. Just another confirming scripture. Now let's look at tithing in the book of Acts. So we've looked at letter A. Uh, we looked at before the law, letter B, during the law. Let's look at letter C, the book of Acts. Now let me publicly tell you there's not one time the word tithe is mentioned in the book of Acts. And a lot of that teaching came from here. But what I'm giving you today is the whole counsel so that you can make a solid decision for yourself based off of everything God said from Genesis all the way through the New Testament. Okay? That's my job. You draw your conclusions. Now, in the book of Acts, what you're going to see are three things. You're going to see at the start of the early church, you're going to see generosity, alms, and offerings. You don't see the word tithe one time. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, 44 and 45. So let's look at what the church was doing. So now all who believed were together, and they had all things common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Notice they did not sell their possession or their good. They sold their possessions and their goods which means they had more than enough for themselves to sell what they didn't need to help out somebody that was less fortunate than them. Everybody clear? So that's what the early church was doing. The early church was helping people. Folks, linked up church is established to help people. Okay? Watch look, Acts chapter 4, 33 through 35, New King James Version. Watch this. Read this. And with great power, miraculous ability, uh, favor, uh, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked. Why? For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them. Notice they didn't sell their land or their house. They were so blessed that they had lands and houses. Folks, God wants to get you to a place where you got more than what you need. So, Tonette, if somebody gets in a little trouble, run on some bad times, you can say to them, I got another spot over in Mableton. I'm not even using right now. See, it ain't that kind of faith in the room right now. Somebody should have been snatching that. Boy, I, I, I got a spot over in Smyrna right now. I'm not even using You know, I got a condo out there in Alpharetta. I'm not even using it right now. Why don't you stay there for a couple of months, get yourself together. Get back on your feet. I'm trying to see if there's any faith in this room. I would not let that pass over my head. See, God doesn't want you struggling with your one property. He wants your one property paid off so that you can help other people. And everybody see this, right? And, And so he says, and sold them, brought them the proceeds and the things that were sold, laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution to each as everyone had need. So now, I need you all to understand this. Myself, Minister David, we were at a 4P meeting, which was principals, pastors, police officers, parks and rec, right? And all of the community leaders were present at this meeting. And I'm listening to all of the needs represented around this table. And it's millions of dollars of needs being represented around this table. And the Spirit of God rose up in me and said, and I planted linked up church in that community to meet all of them. 
Let me try this side of the room. The needs were vast. So what you all don't get to see is there are kids in school that can't eat lunch because their families can't afford to feed them. So that impacts their learning. And so their book logs are low. And when their book logs are low, they can't go get lunch. We're going to feed all of them. I still don't have enough faith in this room. I said, we will feed all of them. There was a nonprofit in there that said, we feed 1,800 families in, in Powder Springs, Austell, and Mableton, but we want to feed 4,000. We're going to help them feed 4,000. Monthly. Folks, there are families without clothes and shelter. Come on, folks, we need to open up homeless and, and transitional homes and rehabilitation program. Come on, I'm so tired of the church telling people you need to stop smoking, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop cussing. Man, stop telling people that and start providing the tools that they need to overcome those things. We're always telling people what's wrong with them. But we're doing nothing to help them make it right. Then Paul here at the end of his life, in Acts chapter 24, all he wants to do, Acts 24, 17, he says, now after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my people. No mention of the word tithe. Alms are things that you do for people. Offerings can be given to the church or other people or organizations and donations. This is what Paul said at the end of his life. Let's look at the New Testament. Now, let me be clear. In the New Testament, there is only one mention of the word time, and it is in Hebrews chapter 7. There's no other mention, right? So the New Testament begins at the book of Romans. So you don't see the word tithe anywhere but this one chapter. But in this one chapter, it deals with the subject from before the law, during the law, and after the law. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings that we read back in Genesis and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, better translated as without recorded father and without recorded mother, without genealogy that's recorded, having neither beginning of days, recorded beginning of days, nor end of life. But watch this, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So what was in the Old Testament were types and shadows. And those types and shadows were there to point to what was coming. So Melchizedek was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh -huh. 
And so he was pointing us to what was coming. And remember, when Abram tithed to him, this was before the law was even given. And this is what's being mentioned in the book of Hebrews, okay, which is in the New Testament. Now, let's keep reading, right? So now in verse 4, now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, so, so, so Abraham is before the law, sons of Levi is during the law, of whom even the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come out of the loins of Abraham. So notice, when Abraham was giving, it was impacting his genealogy and his lineage. Right? Believe it or not, my, my wife and I, our giving has impacted our children. She is where I wish I could have been at the age of 22. Come on, somebody. My God, stuff she complaining about. I'm like, girl. Boy, you remember when we graduated from college. Come on, somebody. Hey. We graduated to bills, right? Right? And so we can see that process there that our giving impacts future generations, right? Whose genealogy was not derived in verse 6, uh, from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser Abraham is blessed by the better Melchizedek. Everybody see that? Now look at verse 8 here. Here, watch this very carefully, here Mortal men receive tithes. Linked up church. Mortal men receive tithes. Let me tell you what's happened over the years. The church has given itself a bad reputation because of the abuse of the tithe. Right? And anytime the pastor's house looks nicer than the church, how many of y'all know something's wrong with that? Anytime the pastor pulling up in a car that looks nicer than the church, Something's wrong with that picture, right? And you should see immediately something's probably not right in that scenario. Then, of course, we took the name, we took the prosperity message, and we took it way out of context and gave the church a bad reputation. So the world respects the givers in the world more than it does the church because it never sees the church doing anything for the world. Now, now, I'm going somewhere with this, all right? So I'm not afraid to, to share this with you. I'm just not afraid, all right? I'm going somewhere with this. Can I go there? So you all might remember a couple of years ago, the media was really upset about a particular ministry who bought this huge, I won't even say what it was, but it was cost like millions of dollars. And what channel... Five, Fox, and two, all these news stations, they got in helicopters, little Timmy, and they went over. The, he ain't little no more, though. He big Timmy now. Went over this whole community. And this is what the news, what was on the news. They were saying he couldn't have taken some of those millions and put it back in the community and made it better. So you had this big old church building and all these dilapidated properties all around him. And so what the media took from that was, right, I don't see this church doing anything for its community. 
I just see a pastor flying around in these things, in his house, and boom, 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 boom. And that's what the problem has been. We're here to correct that. Right? And give God a church that does more for its community. Listen to me. I'm out here now than any other church in the history of the world. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. Uh, come on, anybody ready to help us? That, that's the only reason God's making us debt free is so we can help more people. Hello, somebody. It's the only reason he's doing it, so we can help more people. All right, now let's close here. So God didn't do, letter E, we'll close right here. God didn't do away with the old, he made it better. So now let's land the plane and you draw your own conclusions. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. It says, if you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, I've come to fulfill and bring perfection to all that has been written. Has been written is the Old Testament. So I want you to listen very carefully. So if Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the old, I came to fulfill it, who are we to do away with something that he didn't do away with? Right? And so if you understand the new covenant, it's a new covenant because it's based on better promises. So he didn't do away with anything. He put what was already there in the New Testament. I'll prove that further, okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 40. Let me prove that further. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 36, New King James Version, Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Watch what he says here. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. So if you understand what he said, he didn't get rid of the ten. He put the ten in the two. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? Right? So, so you may not even know this. The ten commandments are also known as the Eseret or the Ha-Debat. Brought, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's called the ten sayings in Hebrew. So the first ten sayings are the ten commandments, but there are actually 613 commandments or laws given. And what Jesus just said is I just took all 613 of them and put them in two. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? Okay, let me try to be clearer. Uh, with something practical that you can see. Does anyone have two tens in here? Two tens. If you have two tens, bring it to me. I'm not trying to take your money. Two tens. Now, you were in the first service. You were moving too fast. He had that ready. He already had that in his hand before I even got to the message. Anybody got two tens? Thank you, sir. Two tens. He had it in his hand. He was just sitting there like this. So two tens, right? This is two tens, right? And so when man decided to make a 20, 
did man get rid of the two tens? Right? Because he just gave me two tens. So when they made the 20, they didn't get rid of the two tens. What they did was put the two tens in the 20. But they didn't do away with the two tens. They just made the two tens better. Now it's less money, less paper I have to carry in my pocket and still hold the same value. The one holds the value of the two. Right? Take you even further. When our kids were small, we would mess with them. I shouldn't even tell you this. When our kids were small, we would mess with them. And we put $21 bills right there and one fifty. And this is what we would say, which one do you want? <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> we mess with it. And think about that for a minute. It was more bills laid out on the floor, but the 50 had more value. Now, come on up here and get this. And I'm going to let you keep this 20, too. All right. Won't he do it? Ain't he all right? I know he's all right. I, I, I know he's all right. Yes. <laughs> Look at his wife. She, he just handed that right to his wife. That's a good man right there. That's a good man. She was like, yeah. Look at God. We're going to lunch as soon as we leave here today. All right. Everybody get this now. All right. Let's read one more and we'll close. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll close right here. Did you all get anything out of this today? All right. And so basically, based off of what we're reading, God didn't do away with tithing. He put tithing into offerings. And that's what I'm going to prove to you from the word of God. The tithe should be in the offering. Everybody clear? All right. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, 6 and 7. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, he being Jesus, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, see, which was established on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. All right? And so just like the illustration I just used, he didn't do away with the old. He fulfilled it. Right? And so all that teaching is out there. That's why, how many of y'all know you got to know the book for yourself? Amen. You can't just go running off. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says. In the last days, one of the major tools Satan's going to use is deception. And the Bible says that even the very elect will be deceived if it's possible. And that's talking about leaders. So even though you hear a leader say it, Go back and judge it for yourself. Right? Scripture says to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I wouldn't listen to what he said, and I wouldn't study it for myself. And I'd draw my own conclusions. Sometimes what people are looking for is shock value. And followers and likes and all this kind of stuff. How I many know as a church and a pastor, all we should ever want to be is accurate. 
Okay. How many of y'all appreciate what you heard today? Did you all get anything out of this today? All right, praise God. Let's just lift our hands before the Father. And if you would, just begin to worship him, right? And locate your own heart in terms of where you are at and what God has blessed you with, right? And I just want you to begin to, to locate and search your heart, right? And I'm going to pray for you as you do that. Father, search their heart and know their ways. And if there be any wicked way in them, Lead them towards your everlasting truth, Father, because it's your truth that's going to keep them and bless them and cause them to endure all the way to the end. And so, Father, I pray that you'll give them revelation knowledge, you'll give them understanding, and you'll give them a heart that wants to obey you, Father. And so I just pray as a result, online and in this room, of the word that was planted into this good ground of their hearts, Father. I plant it, but they'll go home and study this for themselves, and they'll water it. But ultimately, when they try you and they prove you, you'll give them increase in every area of their lives. And you'll teach them and demonstrate to them that you are the God that you said you would be in every area of their lives. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000 thanks again for listening have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you